0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen, and you are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario, at Queen's University. And I have the great pleasure of welcoming Jacqueline Coutre, Bader Curator and Researcher of European Art at the Agnes Etherington Art Centre and Adjunct Professor in the Department of Art History and Art Conservation. Welcome to the studio today, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely... uh, Thrilled that you're here. You have so many things to be talking to us about today, really exciting things. In particular, a massive, massive collection of art that is going on ex- exhibition. Starting on the 19th,
1: I believe? It's actually on view now, but we will be officially launching it on Thursday the 19th.
0: Okay, so we'll be talking about this amazing exhibition just in a moment, and it's called, is it Leiden or Leiden? Leiden. Leiden, circa 1630, Rembrandt Emerges. So we'll be talking quite a lot about this in just a few minutes. But I also want to talk to Jacqueline today about her work here at the Agnes Etherington Art Centre, also the uh, research that she's doing in the art history and art conservation uh, department, and maybe learning a little bit more about what it actually takes to be a career curator. So thank you very much for for the time and all of the insights that I'm so excited to get, (laughs) and our listeners will be too. So Jacqueline, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at the Agnes Etherington Art Centre.
1: Well, as you mentioned, my title is Bader Curator and Researcher of European Art, which means I oversee the European Art Collection Mm -hmm. that encompasses paintings, works on paper, uh, a few sculpture as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, More than 3,000 objects are in the European Art Collection. And... um, The bulk of the paintings collection is made up of the Bader collection, a collection of 16th through 18th century paintings from Spain, Italy, Belgium, the Netherlands, England, um, coming from Alfred and his wife, Isabel Bader. Okay. So I wonder what it takes to
0: collect so much art over a lifetime, I would assume it took them to to do so.
1: Do you collect art yourself? I do, but I am limited very much to... uh work produced by friends colleagues mostly works on paper but Mm -hmm. I love them my collection is quite dear to me in fact even though it's not of uh, such financial value as um, the objects I work with at the Agnes. Mm, Indeed okay so
0: tell us a little bit now about your research and what inspires it.
1: Well, I focus really on 17th century Dutch and Flemish painting or works of art um, on paper as well. And I am drawn to this period because I love history and I love foreign cultures. And so art brings that all together. Mm -hmm. And what really inspires my research is trying to find a connection between these relics of a period gone by and our world today. Okay. And have you spent time in Belgium, let alone the Netherlands, doing research there? I have, in fact. Um, I spent a year with a Fulbright grant uh, during my dissertation researching phase, and I've been back there several times each year to do research, see exhibitions, and just to maintain those professional connections.
0: Okay. What does research look like
1: in the realm of art history and art conservation? Well, it can take many forms. Um, I spend lots of times at li- lots of time at libraries, um, archives, and looking at art. So I get to see exhibitions and call it work. My job is a wonderful, wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Indeed. Now, uh, I understand too. You've held numerous curatorial positions uh, ahead of your arrival to Queen's University in the Agnes. But for folks who are relatively new to the art world, including myself what do art museum curators
1: actually do? Um, Well, our tasks are manifold. Um, We oversee and care for collections of art and seek to expand them in thoughtful ways. Um, So that means acquiring works of art through donation or purchase. Um, And then we take those works of art and create exhibitions around them. Um, And that is, I think, one of the more exciting aspects of this position, because it allows you to demonstrate a certain creativity Mm -hmm. in the way that you explore different themes, try and make those historical objects relevant to today. Um, And each curator has a very different perspective. So no two curators will organize the same exhibition. So how did you actually become a curator? Well, I became interested in art history in high school. In fact, Um, my grandmother was an artist, but everyone in my family realized very early on that I had no artistic talent. And I loved to read. I loved research. I was very good at school. So when I took uh, an art history class in high school, I thought, oh, my goodness, this is it, the combination of the artistic with the intellectual. And I had an aha moment when I saw on the screen Vermeer's Portrait of a Lady, excuse me, when I saw on the screen Johannes Vermeer's painting of a lady in blue reading a letter. Hmm. And I thought this really spoke to me as a woman who loves to read. And she's a solitary figure, seen in profile against this beautiful white wall. There was such beauty and yet solitude in that image that it really spoke to me as a 16-year-old high school girl growing up outside of Chicago. Um, But it it spoke to a certain kind of... um, I uh, know there was a certain eternalness to it that really spoke to me. It, it bridged um, history, it bridged culture, and I knew specifically that I wanted to focus on Dutch and Flemish painting at that point.
0: At, at sixteen, yes. What? And you've been doing it ever since. <laughs> and I have, yes.
1: Amazing. So, what do you love most about your job? I love interacting with these works of art um, in our digital. In our digital world, we can really look at any image we want to on a screen of any size, be it on your phone, your computer screen, but then you go into a museum, see those works of art for yourself, and your brain is just blown away. There is something powerful and, and compelling about being in front of works of art. You can't grasp scale or color or... Um, uh, You can't grasp scale or color from a screen in the same way that you can before a work of art. You take in texture and brush stroke. And in a way, your thinking mind moves to a different level. And you begin to relax into the work of art. And it really allows you to tap into, I think, a different way of thinking, of being.
0: I kind of get what you're saying there. Of course, with uh, no background in art, I have seen art. I have been near it. (laughs) 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 That's about it. But no, I've studied a fair amount of revolutionary history in my own uh, academic career. However, uh, the first time that I had uh, gone to the Louvre and saw Eugène Delacroix's Lady Liberty leading, Mm -hmm. I can't remember. Leading the people, yes. Leading the people. And that's an image that I've just seen over and over and over in any, you know, European history textbook mm-hmm. or survey text or something. But then all of a sudden I'm standing in front of this thing. I've only ever seen it in miniature in a book or on a computer screen. But then suddenly this painting is, oh, my gosh, it's like 30 feet long. And then, wow. Look at, just look over there in that corner. There's tiny little brushstrokes, but there's a person in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That, that's really amazing. It's incredible.
1: <laughs> and that scale, I mean, it's like you're actually witnessing the scene before you. Yeah. And you can't grasp that by looking at these images and reproduction. It,
0: it was like it was coming to life or something. Right. It's really amazing. And then, of course, marveling at the frames, too. <laughs> I was like, wow, people frame stuff well back then. Lots of gold. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of gold. Uh, just exquisite stuff. Hmm. Now, moving on to the actual exhibitions at the Agnes, uh, I understand the fall exhibitions are, uh, as you mentioned at the top today, uh, now underway, but in fact launching on Thursday, September 19th, including Tracing Self and Others, Split Between the Eye and the Gaze, Between Chance and Order, Millie Risvet, and, of course, the exhibition you're curating, Leiden, Circa 1630, Rembrandt Emerges. Can you tell us about this exhibition and what visitors can expect to experience when they visit?
1: It is an exhibition focusing on the early years of the artist Rembrandt van Rijn in his native city of Leiden, as well as the network of artists that he interacted with. So there are four colleagues that he worked with quite heavily in the city, and they are represented in the show. So overall, there are 33 works of art. 5 paintings by or attributed to or after Rembrandt and 10 prints by him. So it's quite an impressive show of Rembrandt works.
0: Okay. And so you said that some of these artists uh, worked with Rembrandt and they were were they uh, painting in the same
1: house or facility
0: of some sort? Were they schooled by Rembrandt? What's the history here?
1: There are a variety of relationships uh, represented in the show, in fact. Uh, One of them is that of uh, colleagues. Jan Lievens was, in fact, uh, slightly younger than Rembrandt, but he began his training much earlier. Mm -hmm. And they practiced their craft together. They painted the same themes. They uh, explored the printmaking techniques together. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were very much uh, working side by side. But Rembrandt, after a few years, began to take on pupils. So there are two of his pupils represented in the show. Okay. And then there is one colleague who was a professional printmaker. And so he made prints after Rembrandt's paintings to help circulate Rembrandt's name, um, promote his reputation. Um, So they're quite a number of relationships represented in the show. And in fact, there are two paintings by uh, predecessors of Rembrandt as well, just to show where he came from when he received his initial training.
0: Okay. Well, this just emphasizes too how much fun it must be to do your job as well, because not only are you uh, expanding collections, uh, but you have to spend a lot of time doing the research to get to know the relationships between these particular works of art, let alone the artists and their Uh, themes and things, right? Absolutely. And
1: it's very fun to interpret that. We have two additional components in the exhibition, which are... a short film about the city of Leiden. So uh, I worked with Make Hay Media here in Kingston, a wonderful production company, to um, create a five-minute film about the city to give people a visual of what the city looks like. Everyone knows or conjures some image of Amsterdam to mind, but Mm -hmm. the city of Leiden, not so much. Um, And so that's very exciting. We have the mayor speaking about the city and mm-hmm. a curator from the museum there. And then there is an interactive map showing what 17th century Leiden would have looked like and how closely these uh, artists lived to each other, it's just to get a sense of what this network looked like visually, physically uh, in the 17th century.
0: OK. And so what, what subjects were they uh,
1: painting? Well, these artists were very interested in the human face. Okay. Um, Rembrandt did not make portraits when he was working in Leiden, but what he made were character studies, what we call tronies.
0: Oh, tronies. So, yes. That sounds like a new, weird word. <laughs> t- <laughs> What's a trony? <laughs>
1: a trony is a character study, it, it comes from an old French term meaning head or okay. face. But. Um, a character study may actually be painted after a specific model. And in fact, these artists use the same models. You can recognize the same faces in many of the prints and paintings on display. Mm-hmm. But it's not so much about characterizing a specific historical person, but about capturing a type, Mm -hmm. be it an Old Testament prophet, um, perhaps an Eastern foreign type who might have visited Amsterdam. Um, And he does this through exotic dress, through dramatic light and shadow, um, bold facial expression. Um, So it really is a great way not only for him to Work his hand in capturing the human face, but mm-hmm. also al- allows him to make more affordable paintings for the open market.
0: Uh, so you mentioned uh, something about, or you mentioned that there's a film that was actually created by some folks here in Kingston. Uh, are there other digital aspects to this collect or to this exhibition? Like, is there an online? exhibition for example
1: well both the film and the interactive map are available online okay. so that's very exciting mm-hmm. that um you can come and see the exhibition at the agnes but then go back and and explore further uh on your own okay and now
0: i have to ask too so this is quite a large collection there you mentioned uh, uh at least 30 on display i understand
1: 30 pieces on display i understand. From where did the collection come? So, the inspiration for the show comes from our collection, the Bader collection in mm-hmm. particular. The mm-hmm. head of an old man in a cap is one of the beloved paintings in the Bader collection. And then we did borrow quite a number of works from other North American collections um, from museums in Toronto, Ottawa, New York, Indianapolis. So we really are celebrating North American collections in this exhibition.
0: Okay. Now with the man in the hat, does that man in the hat, do we know his name?
1: We don't, in fact.
0: Okay, so that's a (laughs) a, a mystery to unearth. Perhaps a young scholar that uh, works under you someday might be (laughs) digging that up, or you do, next time you're there. (laughs) Okay, so tell us a little bit more about Rembrandt van Rijn as well. Uh, We know a little bit about what he painted, but uh, what, what motivated him to do so? And at the same time, why is he still influential today? Why is he so important? Why do... Why do people in Canada love him so much, for example?
1: Well, Rembrandt actually began his schooling and proceeded quite far in it. In fact, there was a document that was just uncovered earlier this year, which suggests he may have attended university for two more years than we had previously expected. And I mention this because he clearly was highly engaged with the sources from which he painted the Bible, uh, Ovid's Metamorphoses. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, unlike some of his peers, he may have actually read them in the original which perhaps inspired an already creative and fecund mind to new interpretations, one that would really connect and resonate with the 17th century viewer. Hmm. And I think that is part of his appeal today. He really humanizes the grand narratives, um, allowing for poses, gestures, facial expressions that really convey strong emotions conflicting emotions um things that speak to the human condition
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and in such a way too like he captures i guess a a particular moment or an expression that would otherwise just be fleeting but it's otherwise just in stasis
1: indeed which is a great painterly challenge and he does it beautifully
0: all right so what do you love most about his work
1: One of the things I love most about his work is his willingness to engage with his own face. He famously made over 80 self-portraits in paint, drawing, and print. And the fact that he depicts so candidly his aging face, his face through a variety of facial expressions, Mm -hmm. is really modern in many ways. um, And perhaps gives us some insight into his personality. Okay. Okay.
0: That's not a common thing, is it, amongst some of the painters, more famous painters?
1: We don't see a lot of self-portraits. There are some out there, but not a lot. Indeed. Uh, It becomes more common in the 17th century onward for a variety of reasons, whether it is um, a deeper psychological exploration or the simple explanation that the artist himself is the easiest and most convenient model to find. Mm -hmm. Uh, If there is inspiration at one in the morning, the artist doesn't have to um, knock on a door and ask a model to come sit for him, but he can in fact sit before a mirror and get to work. Okay. Um, But Rembrandt did in fact paint many more, create many more self-portraits than his colleagues.
0: Okay. But it still sounds quite interesting, uh, the the process of that too, like this is... Nobody's taking photos, <laughs> so I can't paint from a photograph. But to be able to sit there and uh, paint, whilst also I imagine remaining very still and hoping that the light doesn't change too rapidly. <laughs> oh no, the candle's out. <laughs> or the sun has just set behind some building or something. Okay, so I understand uh, that the exhibition will be heading to on a national tour after its run at the Agnes. I'm always rather interested with the behind the scenes kind of things with exhibitions. Uh, what's the work and the logistics involved in getting uh, an, an an exhibition on tour and moving from location to location.
1: What does that look like logistically? It's logistically very complicated. Um, As you can imagine, the works are secured in crates that are um, incredibly strong and handled only by professional art preparators. Um, They are then transported into... Vehicles, usually trucks, and um, circulated to various venues. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there are serious considerations in terms of insurance and security. But it is a highly professionalized um, act. So, what about uh, actually finding places
0: for to, that will welcome the exhibition? What? How do you? How do you begin those
1: relationships with other locations? Ah, so. Um, the curator usually reaches out to venues that may have some interest based on their own uh, collections Mm -hmm. or based on a particular theme that they're exploring in a certain year Mm -hmm. and the conversations usually begin at the curatorial level but then once a checklist is created for the exhibition then it becomes a a conversation amongst many staff members the registrar for example or collections manager will oversee the um, transportation of the works of art for Example, the art preparators, as I mentioned, will be responsible for installing it.
2: Mm-hmm. So it really
1: is an incredible team effort.
0: Okay. And lots of communication and planning ahead of Precisely. <laughs> Indeed. And so on the national tour, where where will the
1: collection head to? Uh, It will first go to the Art Gallery of Alberta in Edmonton, Uh, then it will proceed to the Mackenzie Art Gallery in Regina, and it will conclude at the Art Gallery of Hamilton. All right, and then eventually return back to its home. Indeed, here in Kingston, and then be dispersed the other objects to their home institutions. Their rightful places. Okay,
0: so... Before we sign off today, have you any advice for young scholars and artists out there who might, who might
1: be thinking about curatorial careers? Being a curator requires a great deal of organization, um, great communication skills, excellent writing skills, but you also need to be a sound art historian. You need to have a good eye. I think it's important to see as much as possible, not focus specifically on your area of interest, but see exhibitions from all types of museums and uh, across all collections, because you just don't know what will inspire you to help shape your own curatorial voice.
0: Okay. Okay. Um so one last question. I understand that you are soon moving on to the uh Art Institute of Chicago? Is that what it is called? That is correct. And you've you've had a fairly or you've enjoyed quite an established career. I understand you worked at the Met and another gallery in or museum in Indianapolis. Correct. Yes. You've been all over the place. Nice. <laughs> and now you're moving to
1: Chicago. So what will the new role look like there? I will be doing much of the same work that I was doing here at the Agnes, but I will be concentrating on Northern European art. Um, So that is very exciting. My area of specialization, I will be hopefully cataloging their collection, seeking to expand it in new ways, and um, organizing some larger exhibitions at some point.
0: And maybe in collaboration still with the Agnes?
1: I already have my checklist in my head of objects I want to borrow. (laughs)
0: Hint, hint. Hint, hint. Hint, (laughs) hint. Well, thank you very much, Jacqueline Coutre, Bader Curator and Researcher of European Art at the Agnes Etherington Art Center. Thank you very much for coming in today. We really appreciate your time and we're very excited about the exhibition.
1: Thank you so much for the conversation. I really enjoyed it.
0: I did too, and best wishes in Chicago. We'll miss you.
1: Thank you. Come visit.
2: I will. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.